Welcome to Mamir's Well, a Burning Hallows production. We are your hosts, Alora and Kitty, and welcome to the podcast that isn't afraid to explore the darker side of the craft, including taboos and controversy. So three, season one, interview with a vampire. And today we have a very special Samhain treat for our listeners. The Sabbath of Samhain, as well as experiences with ghosts, ghouls, goblins, specters, and paranormal activity are all on the agenda. We are also honored to have a descendant of Gothic royalty gracing us with her presence to add to our discussion this evening, Ms. Shanna Stoker. Shanna is a formally trained theater actress and vocalist, as well as being a witch, has her own Etsy shop called The Ghoulish Garb, and is a direct relation to Bram Stoker, one of the original masters of gothic horror. Welcome, welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you yeah. for coming on. <laughs> yeah, exciting. this is going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> for sure. All right. Before we get going, Shanna, can you tell us how long you've been practicing the craft and what it's like to carry around the name Stoker? Um, Absolutely. We want to know, like, do you embrace it or do you feel the expectation on you can be insurmountable at times? That's a really good question. Um, So I'm going to answer your first question first about how long I've been practicing. I actually started practicing when I was 15, but I had an interest in witchcraft much before that, long before that. Um, And it wasn't until I found out that my uncle was a practitioner um, that I felt like it was something I could really call myself and really actually do. Because at the time, I mean, I'm only, I'm 28, but a lot's changed in the past five years, let alone the past 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't anything that people talked about or did or that was outside of, of watching television. You know, it wasn't anything that was real or to me it wasn't uh, and in my, in my circle. And so I, I knew it was a part of me, but I felt like maybe I was crazy or something. And I just mm-hmm. really couldn't own that identity um, because, I mean, I grew up in, in, very conservative Christian Alabama. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it was not a thing that was even thought about until I was 11 and I was, and I saw a documentary. So I will say it was before I was 15, but I was 11 and I saw a documentary about a Wiccan family. And I remember thinking how interesting that was and how it made more sense to me. But I also was like, but, but no. And then I had a lot of this guilt because of my Christianity and my background with the church. And um, so I felt a lot of guilt over that for a long time of just thinking that I could do that. It was just such, such a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was 15 and I had, you know, I'd grown up a little bit more and I'd learned a lot about myself at at that point for 15, at least. Um, And I learned that my uncle was a practitioner and that there's a whole community of practitioners and there's a whole like subculture of them. And, and, and it's not, it's not as crazy as I was led to believe it's not just because it's alternative and different doesn't mean it's crazy. And yeah. So ever since I was 15, I've been, I've been 
interested in reading and practicing. Um, and, you know, it's just like any craft. It's, it's not necessarily you're, you're, you're going to have times where you have to put it in the drawer because life gets you, you know, yeah, but, but you can sure. pick up, you can pick it up. You can, you can, you know, get those muscles moving again. And so I've done that a lot over the 15 years I've been practicing, but, or I'm sorry, 13 years I've been practicing, but, um, But, you know, I mean, in the past couple of years, especially since the business has taken off, I've, I've gotten a lot more flexibility to really be able to put my practice, um, into motion every day. And Mm. I'm just so grateful for where that's brought me. And then your second question, what was it? Oh, oh, about the Stoker name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, I've always known, um, pretty much because my family has, it's been handed down and, you know, for a few generations, um, Mm -hmm. And so we've known about that and we had, you know, we've got a family Bible that has his uncle or his, um, one of his cousins names in it. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's clear to us from what we have and, and tracking our lineage that we believe we are directly descended from his uncle, which would make me a cousin. I thought I was a niece, oh. but I believe I'm a cousin. So, um, still an ancestor. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you know, honestly, I don't talk about it a lot simply because while I take a lot of pride in it and I feel an honor that I seem to have the same macabre streak that ran through him mm-hmm. uh, and it, I don't ever want it to look like, well, I'm only this way because I think I have to be because it's my name or, oh, I'm you. trying to get clout for my business because that's why I waited three years to talk about it. Um, the people who knew about my background, they, when I started the business, they were like, oh my gosh, you have to like capitalize on this, Mm -hmm. make it a part of your brand. And, you know, I I thought about it for a hot second and I was just like, I don't think that that just, it just didn't feel right to me. And it took me longer to figure out why that was more than it took me to be convinced it was wrong, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. for me. And it was like, I don't know why, but I just have the feeling like this isn't the right time. And so I thought about it and it was because I, I didn't want that. I knew it could help our sales and it could help our visibility, but like, I wanted to make sure I could do it with my partner on our own. Like yeah, our, our skill set, our, our entrepreneurship, our customer service, our quality of designs and items that we put out. Like I wanted to make sure that we could confidently say we have owned this and we've done this on our own before releasing this part of myself. And like, I'm happy to finally talk about it because it is something I'm really proud of. I just don't ever want to, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to use it, you know, or abuse it, but yeah. That's great. (laughs) I think, I mean, you know, maybe he was actually guiding you from the other side to to not do that. Yeah. Well, so what you're (laughs) saying is you don't want to be the witchcraft equivalent of a Kardashian. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. (laughs) What What a way to put it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I think there's the part, like, I think I have a Kardashian living next door, but that's for another episode. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this, wow. I don't know. This lady. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> she looks like a Kardashian. This lady that lives next door to me. She came out of her house the other day and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like I this said, another episode, but it was yeah. interesting. Well, this is what happens when you upgrade. That's all I'm I saying. guess. <laughs> where you feel like okay. a sore thumb in the neighborhood, I guess. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So we're coming up on the Sabbath that most witches would consider to be one of the most important of the year. So in the Northern hemisphere, that's Samhain. And then down here where I am in the Southern hemisphere, we're about to celebrate Beltane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So both holidays, the veil is extremely thin. So do either of you have any crazy paranormal stories from Samhain or Beltane night? Hmm. I do have one. It's not crazy, but um, (laughs) it was, it was a few years ago. I think it was 2017. And I was trying my hand at making soul cakes for the first time. Um, And so, yeah. And so I made my soul cakes and I really, I like, I did a spell over them and I, I carved a pentagram into each one um, and just really like focused my intention in the carvings and that I wanted to, uh, I spent the whole night, like before baking and during the baking process of really trying to make sure I was, I was setting boundaries within or around the space, but I was making like, this is a, this is a welcome sign. This is a, you're welcome here. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, you come inside, sit down, watch a movie with us, that kind of thing. (laughs) But only, you know, nothing that's, that's planning to do any harm is allowed here. Just a positive experience. And, um, and as soon as I took the cookies out of the oven, I am not kidding you. I have a witness. As soon as I took the cookies out of the oven, we on our sleepy street that didn't have any kids around or anything like that, get a, it was either, it was a not, like, it was a doorbell, the doorbell. And I, I immediately Ooh. smiled and I just, I felt something and I said, we have visitors. <laughs> wow. And I went and I just went and, and I just, you know, just because I do have the skeptic in me, I went, I felt like it was, it was what I thought it was but um I went and looked anyway and of course the street is completely sleepy just like it had been all night we didn't have trick-or-treaters it was nothing like there was it was nothing like that mm. and um yeah and so I just looked around and it just made me smile even bigger because I just felt like oh man I it worked it worked and I and it had such a peaceful night that night it was so beautiful it felt like family it felt like warmth and comfort and it was, it was one of the, the most calm Halloweens I've ever had, but it was, it was one of the most memorable Halloweens I've ever had as well, or Samhain's, <laughs> I call it both. So I'm coming over your house this Samhain. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds lovely. It was so wonderful. It was beautiful. That's awesome. I love that. What a cool what story. Um, I don't really. Okay. So recently I had something happen, but it wasn't like the beautiful story that Shanna just told. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just had kind of a brush with spirits recently. It wasn't saw one night, obviously, but I think we all can kind of feel, at least for me after Maven, I can feel when the veil is thinning and there's more spiritual activity and, um, I was somewhere other than home and I definitely was having nightmares and I'm pretty sure I was being spiritually attacked. And I had Mm. an ancestor of mine come to me like in the dream. And basically she was protecting me in the dream from the other Mm. negative spirits that were. Wow. Yeah. So, and that was probably about a less than a week ago now. I mean, I guess maybe five days or so ago, but I just woke up and I was like, Yep. It's almost so in. <laughs> so what about you, Alora? I don't have any super crazy stories, but I think, I think my most memorable Samhain was, um, I had only been practicing maybe a year or two and we went down to 
because I was part of an open circle back then. Mm-hmm. And we went down to a family owned cemetery. One of the girls in the open circle, her family owned the cemetery. And I lived in Arizona at the time. And that was the only way that you could be in a cemetery at night is if it was a private cemetery owned by somebody that you knew. So we went to the cemetery and it was probably one of the most mind blowing experiences for me, especially as a novice, witch, because we basically went at midnight and then I'm, I'm clairsentient. So when I would, mm-hmm. when I was standing by these headstones, like I was getting, like the spirits were showing me or making me feel how they felt like, whether it's, it was emotional or physical. So I was actually mm-hmm. having like physical symptoms of how they passed away and things like that. Mm, wow. But, but the girl who owned the cemetery, she wasn't with us that night. So the next day we, she ended up coming into the witchcraft shop that I worked out of. And, <laughs> and I was basically telling her like what I felt besides specific headstones. And there was this one where I felt like this female spirit crying and super depressed. Mm-hmm. And there was like a young boy spirit with her. And there was something to do with water. And I was like recalling all of this to the woman whose family owned it. And she, and she ends up telling me, oh yeah, the mother had like severe postpartum depression or whatever. So she was depressed and she ended Mm. up drowning the boy. Oh Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. Whoa. Wow. So yeah, that's probably the most memorable Samhain yeah. paranormal story I've got. That's not intense at all. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> that was amazing, but yeah, wow, <laughs> wow, gosh, that is memorable. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, mm. getting On spooky note, up in here. Go ahead. What I said, getting spooky up in here. For sure. Um, so along that note of extrasensory gifts and such, mm-hmm. Shanna, we know from behind the scenes that you started having paranormal experiences from a young age. We want to know what is the first ghostly encounter you can remember and what extrasensory gifts do you have for communicating with spirits? And did that kind of, you know, make you realize that you had those gifts at the time? Okay. So I know I've had experiences my whole life and my mom could attest to that. She's told me stories of when I was like a baby or a toddler of talking or seeing things that weren't there, you know, that, that she couldn't see or, you know, things like that, mm, yeah. um, which is often, often with children, I think that happens. Um, so I, but, but the first one that I really remember extremely vividly was when I was about eight And we had just moved into a new house. Um, And this house was a, it was two story. It used to be, it had used to been like a a house. Um, And so, you know, it was on really tall stilts, but then they, they ended up in like the seventies or eighties, completely closing in the downstairs to make it, to make it a different floor. And so um, the way that it was set up, it was a very strange setup. Obviously it wasn't planned to be like this because it was just additions and wall changes and everything. And um, so the room that I ended up taking or that I ended up having, my sister got a bedroom and my parents got a bedroom and I got a bedroom, but it was also kind of a walkway because 
to get from the back of the house to the front of the house, there, the only way was to go through my bedroom. So you, it was, a, it was a hallway bedroom. <laughs> mm. And um, <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, I'm listening. Oh, said- <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was the youngest and my sister was obviously older, so she needed more privacy and it was fine. Um, but my bed was set up to where it looked into the laundry room. Cause like there wasn't a door, there was just a doorway. Um, and so my bed like looked when I was laying on my side, it, I could just, I was just kind of staring into the to laundry room and it was like my sister's room in the very back of the house, which led into the laundry room which led into the bathroom. And then my room was like off the side of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of staring there and I couldn't sleep. And I was just, I, I know I wasn't awake. I mean, I know I wasn't asleep. Um, so I couldn't sleep and I'm just kind of staring, sitting there staring and I hear the, wa- the, like the washing machine and I'm just kind of like staring and my cat's kind of walking through. And then all of a sudden this Native American man walks from back of the house where my sister's room is into the doorway. Like he's just going straight through and he, so he's going like, I'm seeing him in his profile and he kind of stops for a moment. It just like lingers for a moment. And he looks over at me and mm-hmm. he didn't smile or anything, but I got the, the most comforting feeling from him. Mm-hmm. But I was also terrified. It was the craziest thing because I was so scared because I knew what I was seeing wasn't logical and wasn't right. And neither a man was in my house or I'm seeing a ghost. But at the same time, when he looked at me, I felt comforted. I felt like a very paternal feeling. I felt like a, a protector type of a feeling, which I don't think it was necessarily that he was that for me, but more so of just like allowing, like making sure that I didn't feel any negative energies from him. I don't, I feel like he was looking over and surveying mm-hmm. his land, you know, and because he walked, the way he was walking was I live, uh, my house was like right across the street from the Mobile Bay. Um, mm-hmm. And behind us was a creek and like a swampy area. And so I, this is in Alabama. So it's like, it's like, like it's basically Florida um, at this point. And it's right on the water of the Gulf Coast in the Mobile Bay. And so like, it was like, he was coming from the forest by our, or the, the woods over into like down towards the water. And, um, it was just so interesting. I just, it was, I was so, I'll never forget the dichotomy of feeling so incredibly terrified and so in the back of it all at peace. It was just so strange. Mm. Yeah. I bet. Especially for being eight. Yeah. Yeah, No doubt. (laughs) I have a question. And like before that, oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Could it have been potentially like a guide of yours or your sister's maybe you said it came from like her room, right? My sister doesn't seem to, I don't know. It didn't necessarily come from her room. It just came okay. from the back of the house in that area where her room is. Hmm. Cause there's like a, that, that it's like its own little foyers back mm-hmm. there where in the, towards the backyard. So it came just from that direction. Gotcha. I don't know. I've wondered about it being a guide, but it felt less like he was there for me and more of like, he was there for the land ah. and I was a bystander that he happened to notice and he noticed, I noticed him. Wow. And it was like, it was like in the, in that moment that he and I connected almost like he was, you know how, whenever you wake some, like you wake a child up and you're like, it's okay, go back to sleep. And they just, they're, they're able to immediately assess that they're not in trouble and they, they don't have to be afraid because otherwise they might be scared of what the noise is. Right. It was like that but it was verbal. It was not verbal. And it was just through this look. And it was just this comforting, like I said, almost paternal comforting, you know, there's nothing to fear. 
And then he just moved on. And it was, again, the logical side of me was terrified, but the spiritual side of me felt like I was being comforted. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so interesting. I I think that would, I think now that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was, I mean, and I'm so grateful that that is the first major apparition I ever saw because I had experienced a lot of creepy stuff in our old house, which is my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house. And that, I mean, and they've experienced like, there'd be, there would be nights. And I know my sister and I didn't sleepwalk and our bedroom was right above our grandparents' bedroom. And there would be nights where they'd be like, uh, I heard y'all up playing all night. And we're like, we were not playing all night. We went to sleep at eight o'clock, whatever we were supposed to. And they heard footsteps and running around upstairs. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, creepy as hell. And there's also, (laughs) there was also like, I mean, I just, I know I experienced things before that, but I'm glad that the full, full, the first like full body apparition that I ever saw was so calm and kind. So, okay. So that brings us to like your extrasensory. Yeah. Stuff. So you can obviously see apparitions like with your eyeballs. Well, that's honestly, that's only ever happened that one time. Every other time ah. I've ever seen them, it's been like a projection onto the space in my mind's eye. And you know that's what, good. honestly, that might have been the case with this one. It's just so vivid that as an, and I didn't know what I was processing as an eight-year-old that I may have just processed it as him being in this space. Whereas like now as an adult, I understand that he was like that the things I'm seeing are actually projections in my mind on the, on the space, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. But in my memories, it feels as though they're right there. It feels as though I'm seeing everything mashed into one. So I I think that's probably the case with the, with what, with the native American man I saw, it's probably more likely that I saw him the way I see things now. I just didn't fully understand how to process that. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So when I see things, usually if I'm seeing residual energy, I'm seeing it'll, it'll be like a a shimmery golden light that almost looks like whenever heat is making those waves on the pavement and it all kind of shimmers and it all, um, it waves, it has these waves to it, but you can still kind of see structure. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I get, if if it's residual energy, it usually appears to me like that and it's gold and it's, it's, sparkly and it's I know that sounds super weird and but it, it's just oh. it's not not sparkly but shimmery almost mm-hmm. and it has that wave to it but um if I'm seeing usually if it's an intelligent energy that I'm seeing it's it's a totally different it's almost as if I'm seeing a full person like I'm seeing details I'm seeing skin color I'm seeing I can tell you what color their eyes are half the time like it's it's so very different. And that's, that's a lot of times how I can tell if it's um, intelligent or not, if, if what I'm experiencing is because I'll see a lot more details. And, um, and then I also have, I also hear things sometimes uh, very clearly. So clear audience, I guess. And I've felt things I have um, had premonitions that have come true. It's, it's very interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of, I don't know what so I, I think what I'm getting at is I don't know what label I would put on myself, but I feel like I've experienced a little bit of everything so far. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, I think the question was more aimed at specifically communicating with spirits. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say that you mostly experience like a clairvoyance mm-hmm. uh, type extrasensory gift, but also it sounds like clairaudience is big in your mediumship Mm -hmm. practice which makes sense to me because of my like connection with music and I feel like people who are clear audience have a different Mm -hmm. you know like you have a different connection with music and I and I always have 
Yeah. Gotcha. And I've heard you, I've watched your videos on your website and, um, you can sing. So have I. <laughs> Thank, <They're> you. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So I good. really appreciate that. I really, I just, I just really love music. And I think that it's just, it's just such a universal language and God, it just, I mean, I just, I could, I could talk endlessly about my love for music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to ask you, Shanna, what does your practice look like and how has it evolved over the years? So I know that you said you made soul cakes on Samhain. Mm-hmm. So does, is, does your practice mainly revolve around like kitchen witchcraft? Are you a little bit of everything or like, what would you say? I definitely tend to go with the label eclectic just because I don't like labels in the first place for myself. Um, just for me, because like, I think I grew up in a, I grew up being labeled a lot and labeling myself and trying so desperately to fit within a label. And I, I'm a very eclectic person by nature. My taste is eclectic. My interests are eclectic. And so for me, I think that's been kind of my way to push back with how I, I felt like I had to be in boxes my whole life. Um, so that would be the way I talk about myself, but I definitely have found that I do enjoy kitchen witchery. I like hedge witchery, um, you know, celestial witchery. Like I enjoy so many different aspects of it. So it really truly is eclectic, my, my type of work, but because I'm such a homebody, I do more practicing in the kitchen than probably anywhere else because I, yeah, I mean, I work from home. (laughs) I've got my two baby cats like my roommate's my best friend. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm also, I just, I like, like cozy is my favorite word (laughs) and it's just, it's very much that's, that's who I am. I'm a very, just, I'm a homebody. I love being at home. I love simple rainy days with a cup of tea. You know, I just, I love being at home. And so I think that's life. Oh, it is. And it's so good for like, I have a lot of, you know, mental health issues and I've got a lot of physical health issues. And it's like, you know, I I have to spend a lot of time in bed because of those issues. So I like to have a space I can be comfortable and happy in. Um, So for me, I definitely think that the kitchen witchery has taken off with that because it's just, that's where I have to work the most, you know? Right. And I'd assume too, that like hearth witchery is up there for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yes. That would, uh, yeah, I think actually, yes, I think those two are probably pretty, pretty darn equal. And like, I'm so open to lots of different practices though. So, which is why, you know, even if I was 98% hearth or, or, or kitchen, I still would probably call myself eclectic because yeah, yeah, I (laughs) I totally get it. Like I did, I didn't mean to say label oh, no, you yourself. Did it. I just, I <laughs> you just did it. <laughs> meant describe like For your sure. type of practice. Um, so just out of curiosity, do you also do ancestor veneration? Like, is that part of your practice? That or? was the question. Actually, <laughs> I remember now you know, my bad. I'm very interested in learning more about that, but I have, I have no background in that. And I, I, you know, that is something I'm very interested in though. I have a degree in history and of course, genealogy is important (gasps) to my family. And, you know, so the idea of doing that sort of work is exciting to me for sure. I have a degree in history too. (gasps) You do? I do. (laughs) That's so exciting. Yeah. Really very often need another woman who's got a degree in history, let alone another person who's got a degree in history, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, true. Exactly. 
Well, you are talking to one of the, um, well, what I consider one of the experts of ancestor work, Kitty. She, oh, oh, me? She does. Oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah, that's you. (laughs) She does magical ancestor profiling, which is awesome, which is where she basically um, goes through and tells people like, if you have alchemists oh. in your family tree and all that kind okay, of stuff. Okay, so this yeah, actually relates. Amazing. I would to love this. to do that. This this relates to this episode directly. Now that you bring it up, <laughs> Anna. So I profiled a woman one time, and I dug into her family tree. Um, it's a whole process that I do, but anyway, I actually traced her back, her line back to uh, Vlad the Impaler as like a great 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 uncle. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. How and do you, obvi- go ahead. I mean, how, how would I book a session with you or how do we, do, <laughs> how can we do this? Cause I'm <laughs> like so interested. I'm so interested. Um, you know, just email me. I'm actually not right. like, I'm not actively doing them, but I would, I would love to profile your family tree. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's a lot of fun. I was going to say, you know, we do a lot of the ancestor stuff on Otherworldly Oracle. That's um, a website that I run. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, I don't think so. Yeah. Otherworldlyoracle.com. That's our sister podcast that we do. We do Otherworldly Oracle official podcasts. Um, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's all the lighter stuff. Yeah. We don't get into like controversy <laughs> or, you know, we kind of mind our witchy P's and Q's, I guess on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, yeah. Sense. We don't even cuss in that one, but here nope. we do. Okay. <laughs> right. But in the Facebook group that of the same name, we do a lot mm-hmm. of ancestor work. A lot of people get into their ancestral, you know, roots and everything. So just mm-hmm. that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I definitely would like to check that out. Sweet. <laughs> Although I don't know if I could tell you anything cooler than Bram Stoker, honestly, but <laughs> yeah. But what if you could yeah. like, you know what I mean? Oh, it's always would, possible. Would, yeah. Like, let's I, it out. You can pretty much find anything cool magically, like in people's family tree, if you that dig awesome. enough, you know, but uh, there's been like maybe one or two times where I found like literally nothing. And I just think that those people are the uh, what like the forerunner i guess in their family which is cool too mm-hmm. bram stoker were we talking about bram stoker i think shanna was getting ready to tell oh, us yeah. the story about her grandmother Grandma yeah i was gonna story, say yes. <laughs> so my grandmother um she is married to a stoker so my grandfather is obviously the stoker uh, but her name she i just call her grammy so that was going to be her name in the story so my grammy she was actually born with a veil over her eyes. If mm. you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, but for anyone who doesn't, and I'm not, I don't, I haven't looked this up in a long time, so I'm not sure if I've got this right, but from what I understand, um, it is, you know, you, it's a piece of skin, essentially like a very thin piece of skin that, um, is over, it it comes down from the forehead and usually like either to the chin or to the nose. Um, but it covers the eyes and there's a superstition or an idea or whatever you want to call it, a belief that if you are born with a veil over your eyes, that means you are born with the gift of sight or of clairvoyance of some sort. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she was born with that and she went to a psychic when she was in her twenties and 
the psychic immediately, like upon holding her hand, she said, um, she immediately said, you have the gift and you could be really great at this gift if you wanted to pursue it. And she was a very conservative Christian or is a very conservative Christian. So she didn't personally feel like that was okay for her path. Um, which is, you know, that's, we all have our different paths. And, um, anyway, so she, she never did, but she was, she told me about it years later, obviously, whenever I was living there while going to college for a year or so, I uh, lived with them. And, um, and yeah, I, she told me all about it because she knew I was, I was having paranormal experiences and she knew I'd had experiences with clairvoyance, clairaudience, all of that. And, um, and so she was explaining that, she, that a lot of times it is passed down through the women, but that it seems that uncle Brandon, my uncle Brandon, her youngest son has it as well, which he definitely does. Um, so it's, it's interesting because the only people that I know of in my family who have those experiences are my uncle and my grandmother. And mm-hmm. um, my grandmother, seemed, my Grammy seems to have, have, at least she doesn't talk about it. So she seems to have been able to successfully have closed that door off, um, which is what she intended to do. So she doesn't really have to deal with it, but she does have the ability. And my uncle and I both practice witchcraft and we both um, are very interested in the paranormal. He used to have a paranormal investigation team. So, you know, we, we definitely embrace Mm. it. Yeah. Got Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about this tarot deck that you helped design you did design Mm -hmm. it's called the terror tarot yes so So it's for sale (laughs) on the ghoulish garb right your your store on etsy yes it is so i am the co-owner and co-operator of the ghoulish garb Mm -hmm. um we my partner and i founded it back in 2018 so we're in our third year and uh yeah we have our terror tarot major arcana deck um and it is, yeah, it's just the major arcana. It's 21 cards, but we um, did create a bonus card for the shadow edition of the deck, which is a black and white version that we just recently put out for our third anniversary. Um, nice. So it's, it's great because, you know, if you're more of a classic uh, minimalist style, but you like the spooky horror vibes, then you you might vibe better with the shadow edition. Um, but if you want those vivid colors and, you know, a little bit more of that side of things, then uh, the original deck is perfect for you. But yeah, they're both available in our Etsy shop. And we actually have a bundle going on right now where you can get both decks and then both sticker packs, which each come with uh, about two by three inch stickers of all of the cards in matte gorgeous paper um, that are great for, I mean, just anything, (laughs) putting on your guitar, your laptop or your notebooks or whatever. Um, They're very long lasting. And yeah, we have a bundle right now in our Etsy shop that has all of that for a really, really good price. So that's awesome. Alora, are you planning on getting this deck or what? <laughs> well, um, you know that I collect tarot decks, so that's a very high probability that, that I will. Um, but I have a question about the, this tarot deck. Can you tell us how the idea for the deck arose um, and yeah. what what role you specifically played in the creation of the deck? Like, did you do the artwork? Did you do the guidebook or... Okay. So, um, so the business, like I said, is just my partner and me. And I was the one who really was, (laughs) I'm the, I'm the witch. I'm the spooky one. He's not quite as into it, but he saw the possibilities for the niche. So it was really good to, it was really good that he's been so supportive of my ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I basically was like, okay, this, this was three years ago. So it was before the TikTok witch talk 
tuck boom. Um, it was mm. just kind of in, the, but I could see that it was like, it was becoming more mainstream and it was helping me really become more um, confident in my beliefs or not my beliefs, my practices um, and like sharing them with other people. It was really great. And so I thought this would be a great niche. And then shortly after we decided to open the business, I, I was really getting uh, interested in the goddess Hecate. And so I brought that up and I said, why don't we do a tarot version of her? Cause I really think she'd be perfect for like the moon card for a lot of reasons. And so we did it and it was so tremendously successful. We knew we had to do a tarot deck, like a full, you know, at least a major arcana deck, but we said, well, let's go ahead and, and put a pause on the goddesses because we're still trying to establish what and our name is the Glish Garb. So we let, let's do, let's do something spooky. Let's do a Halloween themed, you know, cause I know I've got, we've got those cards in us. We just, we just need to pause the goddesses. And so, um, we did, we went full speed ahead and we, our artist who we work with, because I wish, I wish I could draw like that. And my partner does too. Um, we cannot, so we do have a, a party, I mean, a third party artist that we work with. Um, mm-hmm. but the, we were very, I was very specific when we decided how we were going to do this because I, I didn't want it to be someone else's art. I, I needed it to be our art in the same art. way as like a composer composes a piece of music and writes in where you're supposed to be forte or staccato, or, you know, they write in directions and they write it. And, and, and if you, if you play a piece the way it's intended to be played. Okay. Okay. We have a musician around, (laughs) but yeah, if you play a piece or sing a piece, the way it is intended to be sung or performed, that is exactly what the the composer is asking you to do. You're bringing his art to life, but it is ultimately still his art and your art too, but like, it doesn't make it any less his art. Right. And so, Oh no, I'm totally like, I'm, I totally follow your train of thought here because there are a lot of tarot artists or tarot authors and creators who hire artists to do that exact thing. Yes. And so that's my thing. So it it takes us anywhere between two to four weeks in total to get one card designed because first of all, it it takes my partner and I about eight to to 20 hours just to like decide what the design is going to be. Okay. So typically when we just like, like we've been working on the goddess tarot. So what we did for that is we sat down and we took a list of all of the major arcana that we wanted or that we were doing, which is all of them. (laughs) And then we decided on like a list of different goddesses that both were scoring high SEO marks, you know, like that were popular and we could tell people how to interest in, but also trying to get, um, goddesses from different cultures and from different backgrounds. And so we could get a lot of, you know, um, a lot of people's different beliefs in, into this deck and beliefs that some people might not have heard of before um, or, or goddesses they might not have heard of before that they'll be introduced to with this deck. Right. And so we, we decided each and every, so then from when we had all of those goddesses that we could pull from, we made a chart of like all of their stories and all of their qualities and what they were known for and colors that they were known for and flowers and animals. And that way we can more easily cross-reference uh, the actual Rider Waite Smith deck that we wanted to focus on bringing all the symbolism in and the meaning behind. And then, you know, so that took a long time. And then when we finally decide, okay, we know that we're doing Yamaya in the, um, temperance card so now how is it going to look and then we go and we get reference photos for like a to be this texture but we're going to add in this color of cerulean blue we're going to do um her bra needs to look like this and we want her tail in this position over here and then this rock needs to look like that and you know it's just very detailed 
very detailed so that it is ultimately our art and our beautiful artist is just bringing it to life, <laughs> which I love. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's taught me a lot about art, about tarot, about witchcraft, about business. <laughs> it's been a huge, huge process and it's been so much fun. Awesome. Um, so I just, I think, I don't know the goddess that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I don't even know if I have the correct pronunciation because I've heard her called, um, Yemeya and Yemeya. Okay. And, oh, I can't look, my best friend is from Brazil. And if she were on here, she could pronounce them with flair <laughs> and yes. um, <laughs> all of that. Cause that's, that's her wheelhouse. Um, mm-hmm. but Anyway, um, I guess my next question is these major arcana decks that you have created, is there any plans to make these full out tarot decks with minor arcana? (laughs) Yes. And the reason that we did the major arcana first was because we were a brand new business. We weren't even paying ourselves yet. And we were like, okay, I know these are selling on shirts, but are people going to want to buy the deck? You know, and we wanted to go ahead and start, like, we wanted to go ahead and put the product out because we knew it was going to take so long to do all, you know, the entire major and minor arcana. And, um, so we decided to go ahead and put the deck out, see how it did before we decided to move forward into the minor arcana. And it has been an overwhelming success. And we get messages every single day on pretty much every platform asking about like, when is this going to be a full deck? Hey, do you have a full deck? So the plan, and I'm just going to say this out here (laughs) so that everybody listening knows, um, I don't want you to feel like you have to wait to enjoy our cards until five years from now when we have it completely finished. Right. So what we are planning to do is um, if you purchase, just make sure that you're purchasing from our stores, from our sources. And as long as you are like, just keep that receipt or that our email or whatever. Um, as long as you can verify that you have purchased the minor arcana with us before, not a resale, but with us, then uh, we'll give a discount for the full major arcana. I mean, for the full full deck so that you can, you know, you don't feel like you're wasting your money and having duplicates, or maybe you can, you know, keep that special edition major arcana version just for a collection item, or you can frame it and make right. it into art, yeah. you know, but that way you're still getting the full new deck and a discount and you don't have to wait, you know, five years for that to happen. Cause it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, that's smart for sure. <laughs> Kitty, are you still alive? I am undead. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you were just very quiet. My bad. I'm listening. Okay. So, so go ahead, Laura. I oh, I was just gonna say. So I found you through TikTok, and as soon as your name was revealed, I think the first thing I thought of was, I wonder if she can write. <laughs> because you are a descendant of one of the greatest writers of all time in the genre of horror. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you're into or something that you feel too much pressure to do? You know, I, it does make me feel pressured. And the funny thing about it is you did ask if I had written the guidebook. I did write like most of the guidebook for our, (laughs) for our deck. So I, degree, and I'll tell you what, I've written a lot of papers. So my writing tends to be more, 
academic. Um, oh, me too. As soon as you yeah, said that right? you were a history major, I'm like, oh, she said to write academically, <laughs> but I don't know so about creativity. So much. And I, well, and the thing is like, you know, when I was in high school, I loved creative writing and I used to be, I used to write poetry all the time. And I am getting back into writing poetry and actually writing songs. I just joined a band actually two days ago. And, and one of my key um, jobs beyond being a singer in the band is to write music for it, or write songs for it, lyrics for it. So, um, so that's something I'm definitely delving back into, which I'm excited about because I loved creative writing. It's just been so long that I think I've lost my confidence in it. Um, but I was, I was, I, I always was pretty good at it. I enjoyed it. I, in fact, when I, that's how I found out that about my lineage, I really remember finding out was I was, <laughs> I was in second grade. Now I wasn't, wasn't very good at this point, but I was trying. Um, I was in second grade and like, you know, I'd always been interested in things that were spooky and weird and macabre and, and historical. And I had found this like haunted history book or something. And it was like called like haunted histories, something like that. And it had pictures and it was in the library of our elementary school. And of course it said haunted. So I was in. Um, and so <laughs> I, I had just read an article or one of the pages, one of the entries that was telling about how supposedly the ring around the rosy nursery rhyme was taken or inspired by um, the black plague and it explained all the reasons of that and uh and I was like obsessed I was like oh my gosh this is the coolest thing and I had I started writing a little what it was going to be a chapter book about and I called it rose red (laughs) and then I found out there was already a rose red about a little girl and I was like well dang I can't do that (laughs) Um, but I was, I was working on this. I was like, I think I was on like third chapter of this book and I was in second grade. Right. So it was probably three page long chapters. Um, but I was on the third chapter and I was working on it around my grandparents and they were like, Oh, you're, you're following in your family footsteps. And it was really sweet. And, um, that's how they kind of told me to the point where I at least knew, understood the significance a little bit better. I'm sure I'd heard it before, but I didn't understand. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it was cool to know that like it validated my spooky weirdness. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't a black sheep. I was actually exactly who I was supposed to be. It was nice. And yeah, I think eventually I would like to get back into creative writing. Um, and, you know, designing the cards has really in a strange way made me feel closer to creative writing because I'm telling a story with symbolism and telling a story with art in that way. And right. every single one of our designs is an epic tale, you know, <laughs> there are so, especially, especially this new goddess deck, like the first release of this goddess deck was Persephone as the fool. And it is one of my all time favorites because there is so much happening in that scene. Mm. And I mean, it, it, it goes it, like, you'll have to check it out or I'll have to send you some pictures or something because uh, you can check it out on our Etsy, but it is it starts at the top and it's got these warm spring colors and, and Persephone is this, you know, young girl and she's, her hair's blowing in the wind and she's reaching out to a butterfly over the side of the cliff. But then as your eye moves down and the, like Mount Olympus is way in the background on the left-hand side of the card. And as your eye moves down towards the cliff, it gets bluer and colder and more deathly and you start seeing skulls um, in, in the rock formation and you start seeing- Oh, that's cool. Like, any smoke and out of the smoke is coming his hand reaching up to her and it's just oh it's really really I love this deck (laughs) deck yeah that that actually gave me chills 
<laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing these cards for sure. Yeah. Well, and you, if, and all, we always try to make sure that as we are creating designs, we go ahead and put them on all of our merch because it does take so long for the actual decks to come out. Um, we intend, we hope to have this goddess deck finished and on the shelves by the end of next year. So, but as we finish every design, we go ahead and put them on our phone cases and posters and tapestries and clothing so that you can go ahead and see the designs and enjoy the artwork and find out which cards you like best and get to know the deck before you get to handle it, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, Kitty actually has another question about the ghoulish garb Kitty. So what are your goals for the ghoulish garb, Shanna? Do you want to expand your products in the future as well? Oh, we definitely do. Um, there've been quite a few, we're, we're looking at a few different ways to expand right now on top of just constantly working on new designs. Um, but I don't want to give that away yet. We'll see if it happens. I've got, we've got some exciting things in the works, hopefully, but ultimately long-term, I would love to have, you know, a, an actual brick and mortar shop somewhere. Um, oh, I, what, I, wouldn't every witch, I'm just going to say that I mean, every honestly, entrepreneur no. witch wants a brick and mortar place. <laughs> like, that's, that's the goal. Yep. Because we grew up or we, we were watching practical magic and the good witch and all yes, this girl. <laughs> yes, girl. Right. We're about to talk the, about that, that in our next episode. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be like a witchy shop owner. And, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I've thought a lot about that though, because I really, I would want it to be a community space. I would want it to be somewhere, you know, where there's a cozy corner where you can just curl up and read a book, you know, maybe, maybe a cappuccino machine or an actual little bakery in the back or something, but a place where we can have um, tarot readings and we can have classes and, you know, just a cozy, warm collective space that also happens to sell my merch, but like we might have a bookshop in the back or something. I don't know. I've got a lot of ideas because I really would want it to be a place where, you know, you're having a bad day. Maybe you're dealing with people who don't necessarily vibe with you the right way. And you just need a little safe place and you can come and have a cup of tea and have a good conversation about metaphysics, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, can you imagine opening that place that you are speaking of in a place like Southern Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no. Yeah, you know what? I say that I say no. Um, so, you know, I'm from, Mo I don't know if you know anything about Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Well, my, my family's actually from the border of Alabama and Tennessee. So, okay. Yes, okay. I but, do. <laughs> well, you know, but, but North Alabama and South Alabama are very different. So like Mobile is, I, I liken it a lot more to New Orleans than Alabama. Mm. Um, because just like our culture is much more like, it's actually where, where Mardi Gras originated in 1703. Um, like it's just a very different culture. Yeah. It's a very different culture than the rest of Alabama. And I grew up going back and forth between Auburn, which is central Alabama and that, yep. and then back to Mobile. And like, I grew up going back and forth a lot. So I, I saw firsthand my whole childhood and my life, like how different the cultures were. And I'm mm. grateful for that because um, Mobile is much more arts-based. There is actually a huge witchcraft community there, down there. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's actually, they just opened a voodoo shop uh, on airport. <laughs> and well, like a straight up like voodoo apothecary. And um, it's just, it's and it's getting more and more eclectic each year. And it's yeah, getting well, bigger each year. 
Yeah. Well, but yeah, I don't Northern, plan to go back there. <laughs> Northern Alabama. Cause I almost went to UNA at one point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> they are not <laughs> like that at all. No, like, could, no, they're not. They're not. You couldn't do that up there. I mean, even in Auburn, I went to, I went to school at Auburn university and even there, like I did meet, I found out that there was a pretty, you know, not substantial, but there were definitely witches in the community that, that had, you know, that would hold solstice celebrations and stuff. And for a small town, it was, I mean, it's good to at least have some sort of something there. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, recently when I moved back to Mobile for a little while that I realized how incredible their community was. And like, I found a coven there and I mean, it's just, it was really interesting. And, and the, and the cool thing about it is the more that I, the business grew, the more I was able to just kind of talk about it and, you know, come out of the broom closet as it were in a more public forum where in the same town that I grew up in and went to church and sang every Sunday. And, you know, it's just very, um, it was nerve wracking, but I was, I was really well supported and, and I just really appreciate that. I was, I was not expecting that, but I was. Mm. <laughs> awesome. So listen, we are coming close to the top of the hour. So one more question to wrap it up, unless you have something else, Alora, before. No, I don't. Okay. So you mentioned you're working, there's a goddess tarot in the works, but do you have any other projects or productions that you're working on right now that our listeners might be interested in? Or is um, it just I, you really need to wait for the goddess tarot because it sounds awesome? <laughs> That's a really, I mean, that is genuinely what we are, we are really focused on right now because we are, I mean, it's, I love our tarot tarot, but it was our very first tarot deck. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we had no right. idea what people wanted to see, what people vibed with, like, you know, and now that we've gone through the creation of an entire deck over the, over two year period, um, and the expansion of our business, we've learned so much. And I feel like every single card that we are putting out so far in this tarot deck just seems better than the last. It's like, we are so in tune with it this time. And that's why we are just really focused right now on that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Love it. I it, I commend you because in this day and age, creating a tarot deck is um, fraught with uh, basically exploding landmines um, because it <laughs> seems like, well, it seems like no matter what you create, there's always going to be somebody who's not happy about it, whether it's oh, of you course. Know, too much diversity, not enough diversity, too much that, you know, too many people, not enough animals, mm -hmm. too many women, not enough men. <laughs> oh, I've, I think I've heard it all. <laughs> oh, and, I, and the thing is, you know, that's something I've really had to be okay with is like, I'm not ever going to please everyone, exactly. but I am going to always do my best to not harm anyone. And like, I'm always going to do my best to be inclusive and I'm always going to do my best. And as long as I'm genuinely doing my best and open to learning, if I am wrong, then that's all I can do. I think that is well put. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, for sure. Well, Shanna, thank you so much for joining us. We really yeah, girl, thank it. you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I can't believe it's already over. <laughs> so easy I know to talk it went to by quick. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> head on over to Alora's website, alorarain.com slash subscriptions. 
to grab your seven day free trial subscription to Mimir's Will. We want to throw a shout out to everyone for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Share Mamir's Well webpage to recruit your witchy friends into our mystical hour of macabre topics and dark studies. Once again, a huge thank you to Shanna Stoker for joining us and sharing her experiences as a witch, entrepreneur, and gothic princess. You can see all of Shanna's witchy goodies by visiting the ghoulish garb at www.etsy.com slash shop slash the ghoulish garb. You can also find her creative content on TikTok and Instagram. And remember, until next time, despite our sweet reputations, we really have the hearts of men on our altars that we keep in jars. <laughs>